of all the possible supernatural creatures out there, the one that scares me the most, if all this is real, it's got to be demons. I mean, vampires, zombies, zombies scare me, yeah, but man, demons, something about it, so wicked, huh? I watched a movie last night, it's a new movie called The Pope's Exorcist. It was a little overboard, it jumped the shark a bit at the end, but I liked it because I like demon and possession movies, it's my favorite genre of movies. I remember the first time I saw The Exorcist, the original one, uh, uh, it freaked me out, I couldn't sleep for weeks. And when I read the book too, as a young person, I read the, the book is scary too. Couldn't sleep for weeks, it disturbed me deeply. What about you? Do you believe in demons and angels? If so, have you ever encountered something demonic? Welcome to Fangs and Folklore. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things paranormal, horror, and just creepy and fun. I'm a horror writer from the swampy, haunted depths of Louisiana, and I welcome you to my terrifying world. Check out my books on Amazon, beginning with volume one of the Gravedigger series called Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's a series about a failing punk rock band who keep crossing paths with vampires, werewolves. It's horror comedy, super entertaining, six-part series. All of them are available in uh, paperback, on Kindle, and in audiobook format. Uh, so I think you'll enjoy that. Now, you know that story you've heard, I'm sure, especially if you grew up in the West, of Satan rebelling against God with a third of the angels and then being cast down into hell after losing? It's referenced a little bit in the Bible, but most of the popular lore surrounding it actually comes from John Milton's work, Paradise Lost, which was published in uh, 1667, almost 666, but 1667. The Bible gives much less detail. All the things we know, we think we know about Satan and hell, a lot of it comes from Paradise Lost. When I did my, uh, my graduate work in school, my topic of my thesis was the medieval inquisition, not the Spanish inquisition, the medieval one which focused on witchcraft. All, you, know, you hear all the medieval witch trials and that kind of stuff across Europe. That, this was that. In order to study this, I had to read tons of just arcane medieval treatises and documents. It's a lot of them in Latin and handwritten. It's just difficult on witchcraft, demons, stuff like that. And um, one thing that always struck me was how important it was to these writers to be able to classify everything like demons. The medieval Western, the same the medieval Christian mind in Europe was so obsessed with rankings and detail that it was ridiculous. You've heard them say, you know, the rhetorical question, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? That wasn't a rhetorical question. It really was debated. They even ar argued things like, did Christ, did Jesus go to the bathroom when he was on earth? And a lot of them concluded no. He had the perfect digestive system. They argued about the weirdest minutia of everything. And one of them was demons. They loved ranking demons into classes, ranks, hierarchies, categories, functions, jobs, locations, you know. Uh, it just, it's really interesting how they loved that so much. And one thing, um, you know, there are several sources that describe the hierarchy of hell from the Middle Ages and even earlier and the early, early modern period, too, the funny thing is that many of them are vastly different. You know, it's like they have totally different hierarchies of demons. So if demons are real and if there are hierarchies of demons, I'm not sure which one to believe, and I'll let you decide as we go through this mini-series on fangs and folklore about the rankings of demons. That would be interesting for us to do that, talk about the names of demons, their roles, their powers, their ranking. <clears throat> By the way, if you're interested in any of these medieval manuscripts I mentioned, just about all of them are available online with, at universities or libraries, often for free. And you can see a facsimile of the, um, you know, the, the document. So it's very interesting if you want to do some further research. So without further ado, let's go to hell. All right. <clears throat> we'll begin our tour of the Inferno with Michael Pselus. I guess Michael Pselus, a Byzantine uh, Greek monk. Uh, he lived around uh, you know, the, the 11th century. He wrote a work called De Op 
de operazione daimonum, which is translated on the operation of demons, or about the operation of demons around 1050 Common Era. It's an important work because his classification of the types of demons, the kinds, influenced many other demonologists and even a famous witch writer and witch hunter, Francesco Maria Guazzo. Like so many ancient and medieval treatises, their sense of logic is not very logical to us today, to us modern minds. So their classifications of demons and the roles of demons can seem wildly you know, disorderly and incoherent to us, like totally illogical. But it meant something to them. You know, when, when times change and the mindset, the zeitgeist of the time and the mindset of the time, the way of thinking changes drastically. So that if you read the works of very ancient people, it's almost like it's a different species, you know? And then you go to the medieval ages and they seem so bizarre to us. But then again, they were human beings just like us. They just had different cultural ways of viewing the world. You'll see what I mean. So this Michael Psellus, he divided demons into six types of demons, or six types of species, six species of demons, if you want to think about it that way. So let's look at those. The first, Leliurium. These are demons of fire, but they move around in the air above us, like high above us, in the medieval mind uh, cosmology above the moon. Um, <clears throat> weird, huh? That was considered the highest is above the moon. Um, demons of fire. Aren't all demons of fire? I don't know, but... Celus thought that uh, demons were made of fundamental elements, like fire, water, so forth, which is an odd idea if they're really fallen angels. This doesn't seem to make sense to me. Uh, the purpose of these demons in the air, the Leliurium, is to influence the things of the world from afar. So they're way up there in the air, flying around. They don't personally tempt humans. <clears throat> you don't conjure them personally, but they're way up there trying to influence the way the whole world works as a human society, human civilization. Second type, aerial demons. These are also demons of air, made of air, but they also live in the air. But they're right around us. They're not way up above the moon. They're in our seg segment of the atmosphere. They are more susceptible to being conjured personally by black magicians, I suppose, by being manipulated by people who practice black magic and, by, uh, and also very uh, more capable of influencing our lives individually, picking on someone, right? Uh, taking someone to task, ruining their lives. These are the aerial demons. The third category, marine demons. And as you might imagine, these are demons of water. They don't like dry land. They live in the water. The Old Testament, if you're familiar at all with the Bible, you'll know that in the Old Testament, there's two Hebrew words, uh, Leviathan and Behemoth. And they refer to giant animals of some sort, probably monsters, but we don't know exactly what they meant. The, the meaning of those Hebrew words has been lost to us. Uh, those are considered marine demons by demonologists, that they weren't just like, you know, hippopotami or something, they were actual demons. And then also legion, if you remember the story of Jesus casting the demon, uh, demons out of the demoniac, and um, they said, we are legion, uh, my, our name is legion because we're many. He drove them out into the herd of pigs, and then the demons made the pigs run off a cliff into the sea and drown. Well, though, that's considered marine demons, they wanted to get back in the water. Also, it would include mermaids and mermen. Uh, I know that's not really, I uh, don't see those in the Bible, but in uh, Christian folklore and demonology, <clears throat> mermaids and mermen were actually demons, and they were the marine demons. So marine spirits seem to tempt humans to lust. That's kind of their specific thing is lust. 
And that kind of makes sense. Think about the mermaids, the sirens on the rocks singing to sailors. The sailors see them. They're so beautiful. The sailors can't help but sail closer out of lust, and then their ship is dashed against the rocks. The next category, terrestrial demons. And as the name indicates, these are demons on the land. Terrestrial demons, <clears throat> they come, uh, part of this idea comes from the verse 1 Peter 5 and 8, which says, the devil roams the land looking for people to devour. So terrestrial demons roam around on the land looking for trouble, basically. They're also believed to rule certain areas of the earth, like regions, countries, ge geographical areas. Uh, who was the preacher in that horrible uh, earthquake in Haiti several years ago? Some preacher, was it Kenneth Copeland? I don't know, one of these nut jobs basically said that Haiti was under the influence of a terrestrial demon because they had made a pact with Satan, and that's why the, the earthquake hit them. Of course, that's a ridiculous and horrible thing to say. It was a natural disaster that killed so many people and really destroyed many lives. Uh, and it's, that really kind of irritates me that he would say something like that. Anyway, to show you that some people really believe in these terrestrial demons. <clears throat> Subterranean demons. <clears throat> Again, here's some medieval logic. Aren't all demons subterranean? I mean, after all, medieval people believed that hell was literally underground. And uh, so shouldn't all demons be underground? Well, there's medieval logic for you. In any case... Subterranean demons cause things like earthquakes, natural disasters. Their specialty is earthquakes. They seem much less able to directly influence or, um, or tempt people, right? Uh, not the kind of demon you conjure usually. They're kind of brainless and destructive. Think, like, think of angry toddlers, right? A, a toddler throwing a tantrum. It's kind of what these subterranean demons are like, according to Psellus. And then um, finally, Lucifugus, which means light fleeing. These are demons of darkness. They dwell in the dark places, in the shadows. They can't, cannot appear in the daylight. Would vampires be this kind of demon? I, I ask myself this, perhaps. Uh, a lot, some of the vampire lore says that vampires are risen corpses with demons in them, so maybe they are Lucifugus demons. They haunt cemeteries, tombs, caves, shadowy places at night. Uh, probably succubi and incubi, the, the sexual demons that, that when we experience sleep paralysis, um, many people think that's demons attacking you, and so these would be Lucifugus demons also. They're malicious. They tempt people to do things that ought not be done in the daylight, things you can't do out in the open, especially sexual sins and murder, uh, things like that. They can be conjured, but unlike the aerial uh, demons around us, are the, let's see, yeah, the aerial demons, unlike them, they're not easily manipulated or controlled. These are the ones that you want to make sure you stay in that magic circle when you conjure them, or else they'll tear you apart, all right, if you believe in that stuff. So those are the six kinds of demons, according to Michael Pselus, and I hope you see that medieval mindset and logic is, it's just weird. Like, why would those be the six categories of demons, and why would their roles seem to overlap, and, and some of them can do this, and some can't, and some of them take on more than one role. It's just weird. But then again, I'm sure that you know, future, genera future generations will think that we, moderns, were weird and illogical too. So that's just the way of human progress. Okay, we have time for another categorization system of demons in this episode. This one comes from the Lantern of Light. Lantern is spelled L-A-N-T-E-R-N-E. -E, so it would have been uh, late middle English or early modern English. And it would have been pronounced something like the Lanterna of Light. Uh, so it was written around 1410. We don't know who wrote it, but sometimes believed to be have been John Wycliffe. Uh, 
If you don't know who that was, he was the first person to translate the Bible in English and to be killed for it by the church, Catholic Church. Uh, it was a Lollard tract. The Lollards were basically proto-Protestants. They uh, believed that the Bible should be accessible to everyone, not just the clergy, not just people who could read Latin, very educated. The church disagreed, which is why he was killed for translating the Bible into English. He's considered a martyr in some Protestant movements. So the Lantern, or the Lanterna, author, he, he divided demons into the seven deadly sins, which are pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, gluttony, and lust. The seven deadly sins. Supposedly, you know, the sins that, that will send you to hell and, you, you know, they tempt all of us. So he gave a, assigned a demon to each one, basically. <clears throat> that demon uh, controls that sin and tempts people to commit it, basically. So to banish that demon from an individual is to help that person overcome that sin. So let's look at these seven. First one, Lucifer. Lucifer represents pride, the great mother of all sins, it's said sometimes. This makes sense because traditionally Lucifer is a name given to Satan himself. It's interesting though, the word Lucifer is actually a Latin word, lucifer, which means carrier of light. It's only found once in the Bible, by the way, and that's Isaiah 14, 12. And in that context, it clearly refers to the king of Babylon, not to Satan. So how Lucifer became Satan is a bit of a weird, clouded, mixed story. Uh, but, but a lot of people do associate Lucifer and Satan. So if Satan is seen as a demon of pride, Lucifer, it makes sense because think about it. According to the legend, he was the most beautiful angel, the, the, the morning star, bright, beautiful, God's favorite. And he uh, rebelled against God. You know, he, he, he was in a perfect position, had a beautiful existence. He rebelled against God and was cast down to hell, according to the lore. So pride, right? The ultimate sin. Second deadly sin, envy. Beelzebub represents envy. Beelzebub, also is known as Baal, or Baal, uh, who was a Philistine god. Philistines were another people around the, the Israelites uh, in that Middle Eastern area. Baal was a god in the Philistine pantheon. To the Israel, Israelis, foreign gods, of course, were demons, right? There's only one god, uh, according to the Hebrew uh, religion. And so the Western medieval view of Beelzebub as a demon comes from the Old Testament. <clears throat> he is alleged to be a flying air demon, so he would have been one of those luminarium are the aerial demons of Seleucus classification. It's possible that he represents envy because of the many times in the Old Testament that the Israelites envied the nations around them and wanted to be like them before being chastised by God. And I don't mean to make this like a religious podcast this episode uh, at all. It's just that when you're talking about demons, you're talking about the Western <coughs> European religious tradition. That's where it comes from. At least these ideas. Okay, the next one. Wrath is represented by Satan. Wait, isn't Lucifer Satan? Didn't we just have Lucifer? Yeah, which makes it weird that he's mentioned again and again. Welcome to the Middle Ages and the medieval mindset. It's possible that though Lucifer represents the fallen angel aspect of the devil, the morning star, while Satan represents the tempter aspect because the Satan in Hebrew is like the, the, the accuser. Uh, he goes around accusing and tempting people. So he represents wrath. Wrath is essentially... What is wrath? I mean, I guess it's extreme and active anger, right? That's what wrath means. So it makes sense because Satan would be very angry at God for banishing him from heaven. So Satan represents wrath. Abaddon, you may have heard of Abaddon, represents sloth, which is laziness. Yes, indeed. The Hebrew word Abaddon means destruction, actually. This is translation. And in the Old Testament, Abaddon was a place of destruction, not a demon. 
either literally like in war or figuratively like, like, like after death. In the New Testament, Abaddon became personified as an actual demon who destroyed things. So it's associated with destruction. So why did uh, the Lantern of Light, uh, why did they associate Abaddon with sloth? What does sloth have to do with destruction? What does laziness have to do with destruction? A possible connection I thought of is that there are biblical proverbs uh, that associate laziness with destruction because it destroys lives, um, like the proverb of the ants or the, you know, the, all the, in the proverbs, a lot of things about laziness and how it brings destruction on you because you're lazy, you don't make a living, and your life is destroyed. So poverty and destruction. Maybe that's the, the link there. I'm not sure. The next one is mammon. Mammon represents greed. Mammon is the word for money famous saying of Jesus that uh, you cannot serve both God and mammon, right? You can't serve God and love money, according to him. Uh, mammon actually was possibly a Syrian god of wealth, who again in the Hebrew mind would have been a demon because a false god is a demon, only one god according to the Hebrew religion. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote that the love of money is the root of all evil. So greed, mammon is greed. Greed for, for money, sure, mostly, but greed for anything, really, but it really uh, focuses on money and wealth. The next one, Gluttony, Belphegor, definitely the coolest sounding demon name in the list, in my opinion. Belphegor, doesn't that just sound like a demon? It's fascinating. He uh, is kind of a minor demon. He tempts people by, listen to how specific this is. He gives people ideas about fantastic inventions they can create to make lots of money and get rich quick. And then they focus and obsess about the invention. It never comes to pass, and they end up ruined. What an oddly specific way of, of harming people, right? It makes it odd that he represents gluttony in the Lantern of Light. Gluttony is eating and drinking to excess, right? <clears throat> That's what gluttony is. Seems like a mismatch to me. He, he's supposed to tempt people to make them poor. So gluttony, I don't know. I don't know the connection. Again, welcome to the Middle Ages. Some things just don't make sense to us today. Belphegor, yeah. Uh, finally, lust, the seventh deadly sin. Um, so hold on a second. So when you talk about the deadly sins, uh, pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, litany, lust. Yeah, so the last one is lust. Okay, so this is Asmodeus, another kind of demon-sounding name, Asmodeus. Represents lust. He is supposedly a very high-ranking demon. He's supposed to be one of the princes of hell, meaning just under Satan himself. Asmodeus commands 72 legions of demons. That's a lot of demons. Also, he is possibly a Zoroastrian demon of wrath. Zoroastrianism, the, the ancient Persian religion, right? Uh, one of the oldest, maybe the oldest religion on earth. I don't know. One of them, for sure. He, uh, a demon of wrath, but a, a god, uh, a demon from the Zoroastrian religion of wrath. His name possibly could be related to Aismadaiva in Persian. I don't speak Persian, so my pronunciation is probably terrible. Some scholars say that linguistic connection is very tenuous, but others would say that they share similar traits, Asmodeus and Asmadeva. Anyway, whatever the case, lust. Lust is a sin that tempts just about everyone, right? It's hard to resist since the sexual urge is a basic biological need. It's like eating and drinking and breathing, right? Odd that it's become a sin. Anyway, Asmodeus. So the seven deadly sins, we have again, Lucifer, pride, Beelzebub, envy, Satan, wrath, Abaddon, sloth, Mammon, greed, Belphegor, gluttony, Asmodeus, lust. So, very interesting, isn't it? Uh, and just to, to show you, uh, part of the reason I wanted to do this is to show you how medieval people thought, medieval theologians especially, their mindset was just different, wasn't it? Like, um, 
exacting attention to the details of every demon in the rank was important. It was important that Asmodeus had 72 legions, not 73, not 71, but 72. It, it's just a weird, a weird way of thinking that, that this kind of obsessive desire to categorize everything is part of what led to the medieval inquisition, by the way. Um, yeah, so we're just getting started on the ranking of demons, so stay tuned for the next episode. We'll continue. There's other categorizations and names, and it's really interesting stuff. Do you have a particular temptation that that's hard to resist? Tonight, as you drift off to sleep, will you hear the tickling words of the demon whispering in your ear, tempting you? Which demon will it be tempting you? Thank you for watching, and as always, sleep well if you can. Uh -huh.